today's podcast, we have a special guest with us, Adam Piggott. I've known him for a few years. The reason he's here is I'd like to talk today about one of the roles he's had related to dynamometers, basically the life of a test engineer. And I know Adam hasn't done that all his career, but he did a significant portion of it. And I think it's important to understand, especially if you're thinking about getting into the field of testing. So Adam Piggott, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you today, Mike? Pretty good. Pretty good. So not intended to go through your resume, but maybe you can get a little bit of background of how you got into engineering and the steps along the way that led you to where you're here today at Fruit. I grew up out on a farm in the country, and I'm originally from Canada. So I enjoyed spending time outside working on things. Basically, growing up on the farm, if it was broke, you fixed it yourself. There was a lot of interest and tinkering and fixing things on my own. So I spent a lot of time doing that. As I was growing up and looking at what could I do, what could I get into as a career, engineering piqued my interest. So I ended up going to school as a mechanical engineer. From there, got my first job, worked at Chrysler, got into a four-cylinder small engine group, spent some time there, then transitioned uh, over to GE, got into the big board diesel test facility. That was where I really got in and started spending some time in the engine development lab and really getting into things that played well into my background. So was that your first experience with test cells and testing then? So yeah, that would have been when I first got introduced to the test cell. I guess when I was at Chrysler, I spent a little bit of time working in the cells, but that wasn't my primary role. Once I got to GE, that was what the primary role was, was working in the labs, putting together tests, keeping those cells running, keeping facility running, that kind of stuff. So when you first got your exposure to the testing world, what were your thoughts working in the lab? What did you think about it? How did you like it? (laughs) It was definitely a unique environment. There was a lot of aspects that came into play that weren't purely engineering-based. There was a lot of troubleshooting. There was a lot of people interaction uh, that all played well or make or break how you do as a development engineer. Yeah, I think the interesting point is when I listen to your story is you start your career and you think, okay, mechanical engineering, you probably never expected that you'd be in test engineering. It probably wasn't something you were exposed to academically. Yeah, that's correct. I I will definitely say that that wasn't where I envisioned my path going. We'll say I kind of stumbled upon getting into the labs, but I'm certainly glad I did. The part that really makes sense is when you think about mechanical engineering, you hear the story of tinkering. You talk about being on the farm, you talk about having to fix things, and the interest and passion of figuring things out. So from a, being exposed to the test cell world, I can only imagine you know how many different systems and mechanical systems, electrical systems that you're flooded with to learn how to make sense of it, repair, you know, diagnose it, get the cell back up and running again. Absolutely. So getting into the uh, test environment is where I actually really started using my schooling. A lot of the fluid dynamics, the uh, heat transfer classes, thermal dynamics, all of that started playing into a big role when you're troubleshooting. Hey, why isn't this system working correctly? You got fluid systems you're working with. You've got air systems you're working with. There's there's a lot of that all ties together, and it really started bringing together the things that I learned in school. So beginning stages of working in the, in the labs, what did you find your most significant challenges? 
Honestly, working at GE, one of the biggest things was earning the respect of the employees that you were working with. It was a unionized environment, and that's where the the interpersonal skills really come into play. Walking in, technically, it didn't matter what your background was to them. You had to demonstrate, earn their respect. Uh, That was the biggest thing when I first got into the GE lab environment. So what would you do differently in that environment if you had to start all over again? Would you have done anything differently? So one of the things I didn't have in school because I was Canadian and was over on a scholarship, it was difficult to get into interns, to get into co-ops, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So yep. that was one thing that I didn't have any background in. So actually finding my first job was fairly difficult due to my lack of real world experience, we'll say. So I would definitely, going back, I would try harder and push a lot more to get into an internship or a co-op so that I could build some of that background experience that I didn't get till I got on the job training. That's interesting. So obviously you've done that for a while. In your current role now, it's not quite the same thing. So the connection point is, did that help with where you're at right now? Absolutely. So where I'm at now, I... Use that background in the test lab and the time I've spent to understand how the labs function, how tests operate, how to troubleshoot things. Essentially, I use that now working with the customer and helping support our sales team here. So when the customer comes in with, here's what I'm thinking, here's what we're trying to do, I can help the sales team mold and shape what fruit can offer to meet that customer's application. Because I've been in that environment, I help answer or ask the questions that maybe nobody else has thought of at this point. Yeah, when you think about it, if if you want a challenging environment to work in as far as challenging your skills, challenging your thoughts in how to solve problems or how to do things, a test cell is a wonderful environment for that because there are so many subsystems and the art of it is or the skill is understanding how they operate all together and introducing having an engine in the test cell where you have to understand how the engine operates and how it interfaces with all the subsystems. So you can tell, is it running correctly? Is it not running correctly? Why is it not running correctly? So I think that's a pretty cool environment. It's definitely, it's not something you go to school for. It's how you apply what your prior experiences are and just build upon it. So if you want that challenge, it's definitely a a path to consider. It definitely probably accelerated your learning along the way just by being involved with that many things things. Absolutely. To probably get a question from the masses of the audience here, but you want to understand what we're talking about right now is what Adams alluded to is that part of his career, he spent his time as a consumer of the products that fruit sells, not exactly fruit products, but testing equipment. And now he's on the flip side, like myself, which is basically selling the equipment or supporting the equipment that we used to use in the past. So it definitely helps the organization having that understanding when when we're talking about our products. So, you know, the other question I would have is for the people listening that are interested in this field is, how would you define the ideal test engineer? What would be the traits or what would that person be capable of doing? Uh, So somebody that likes to tinker, likes to get hands-on, likes to troubleshoot. So Definitely, if you're not interested in getting your hands dirty or you don't want a new challenge every day, that was one of the things that I really enjoyed is 
you didn't have a project or a, a problem that lasted typically more than a day or two. Every day was a new adventure. There was always something new, being part of improving, being part of troubleshooting. So people skills play a lot into that as well. Obviously, if you're not a people person, you might not want to get into the lab environment, but it's definitely, there's a lot of aspects. So technical troubleshooting, just general interest in mechanical systems is definitely a plus. Yeah, that's good. Definitely never a dull moment, as they say. Um, I think from the perspective of the overall big picture is it's it's stepping stones. And, and again, you may get into the test cells sooner than Adam did, but just giving you background of what to expect is is very interesting. So if you have that that desire to learn about mechanical systems, even electrical systems, because Adam's been put in a predicament where he's been responsible for that as well, even though he's a degree mechanical engineer. But it, it is a cool environment. I, I might be slightly biased because I've been in this environment for most of my career. But if you like the challenges, if you like to understand how things work, if you like the ability to solve problems or solve application challenges, this is a great path to get that experience and knowledge in. But I think putting it all together for our podcast today is just to give a general overview and understanding of the type of role this is and how it applies to the products that fruit sells and what's involved with that. So what would my typical day be? And it's a loaded question, I know, Adam. <laughs> and it depends It depends on the organization you're working for. It depends upon what the role is. But in generalities, what could one expect? Now, you can't scare them away when you answer the question, Adam. A typical day for a test engineer can vary greatly, as you've indicated, Mike. Uh, there were days where you come in, the test cells down, there was an issue during the night. Your first task is figure out what went wrong, figure out how to fix it, get the cell back up and running. There's other days where you come in and you're reviewing engineering test plans and trying to determine how you're going to integrate the instrumentation what instrumentation you need, what modifications you need to make, how you're going to get the test set up and acquire the data that's required to answer the question. Mm -hmm. There's other days where you're running along happy, your things are going as planned, something goes down, the engine's overheating, the whatever's not working correctly. Uh, you can spend hours, minutes, days, whatever, troubleshooting systems. It's a, it can cover a wide gamut of things, but it's, it's basically a product of the environment. So if you're in a, a full engine test facility where you've got heating, cooling, jacket water, oil, that kind of stuff, it can be operation of those systems every day, troubleshooting of those systems. It really gets down into the environment that you're actually working in. Best way to explain it would be is it could be as simple as your daily duties include developing the test plan and executing the test plan. The reality is it's never usually that straightforward. It's we need to keep the test. So we need to get the test cell data. We need to get the engine data. And if it involves getting involved with fixing things or finding out why something isn't controlling just right from a facilities perspective, you're usually engaged in that conversation. But like Adam said, Depending upon the organization, there may be guidelines of what you can work on and what you can't work on, especially if you're in a union environment. With all the experiences you've had in the test cells, what have been the most, 
I won't say aggravating, but most challenging. Issues that are instrumentation-based, control-based are generally the hardest to pinpoint the problem and sometimes find a resolution. A lot of the mechanical issues, when you're looking, it's fairly black and white. There's a lot of logic and theory that goes behind it from your your experience. But when you get into controls issues and you don't realize that one sensor that you've never paid attention to completely affects or can stop how the system controls properly, uh, it makes for long days trying to troubleshoot things. So instrumentation control type issues are generally the most challenging. I can use an example. In a test cell, the number of sensors involved would be in the hundreds. Some of them related to the engine, some of them related to the facility. In our experiences, and Adam was directly involved with this, we had a issue with a reading that measures the volume in some of our containment pits for any types of spills or whatever. Typically, when you do problem resolution, the best way to do it is keep it simple, right? Keep it simple. Don't go to the most extreme cause that would cause something like this to happen. Knee-jerk reaction is, you know, you talk about a sensor malfunctioning, and then you go down to, is it in a calculation of what it's reading? Is it, you go down all these different paths. Case in point, our experience is, when I worked with them at GE, is we had a pit sensor, a level sensor, that basically has two electric probes that when contact is made between two of them, those two probes, the sensor goes off and says there's an alarm. That would typically be a fluid. But in this circumstance, we scratched our heads, and it wasn't in a easy-to-get-to location, but once we got to the location, you would have never guessed this in a thousand years, but there was a toad stuck between the two probes causing the sensor to go off. That's not in the diagnostic manual of how to solve that problem, but it was a case in point is you can expect a lot of different things. And this gets back to really challenging yourself and your brain to think through in a logical way of what the problems can be when trying to solve problems. And that's just one little problem that consumed some time before we actually were able to find out. Because the, the frog would keep moving, the toad would keep moving, and it would go, it'd be happy, the sensor would be okay, and then it would be faulted another time. So... Again, that's just a somewhat a silly example, but it's a real example, and that's some of the things you'll go through when you're trying to run a test cell. Adam, thank you for joining today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Dino Insights, presented by Fruit. If there are any engine testing topics you'd like us to discuss, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at podcast at fruitdino.com.